0: Amen. Glad you're all here this morning for what is the start of our five week Lenten series that we're calling Impoverished. And my message title today, as we kick off this series, is called Divine Intelligence. Let me just by word of explanation say to you that we pray that this series would be an experience for you, that it would touch your senses, that it would truly help you see the world in a completely different way. And so the big idea in this series is this. When we change the way we see the world, we change the world that we see. What we want to do through this series is to encourage you to be open to God changing the way that you see the world. In fact, we believe that unless God does this, you will not play a part in changing the world in the way that you could. The Christian faith is supposed to be a world changing, kingdom bringing faith. But it all begins with seeing the world in the way that God sees it. When we change the way we see the world, we can change the world that we see. Monday morning this week I woke up with a vision of the world and by Monday afternoon as I left work, my perception of the world had changed. It changed because Vipka invited me to go to a presentation that was being made by a ministry called Open Door International. Not Open Doors, but Open Door International. Now, I get invited to many of these things, and I recognize that when someone says it's a free lunch, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You've all been there, right? So I go into these things, usually with some degree of trepidation. And I walked into the room and there were about eight or ten other people in there beside the, pres- uh, the presenters from Open Door. And uh, we had the lunch and we were making uh, kind of small talk and, and then the, uh, the president of Open Door got up to speak and... Uh, He proceeded to say that what he was going to do was to share about the needs for what he believed to be the largest unreached and unengaged people group in the world. For those of you not familiar with that language, that means that the people groups that have never had any access or exposure to the good news of the gospel through Jesus Christ, and he made that statement, and I'm like, okay. And he puts up a list of the unreached, unengaged people groups. And, and there he pointed to, I think it was number five on the list. And number five on this list of unreached, unengaged people groups was this term, Afghan deaf. Afghan deaf, 321,000, I believe was the number. And I looked at this, and I thought... What are you you doing? Many of you may not know, but I wear a hearing aid in here. So, when it comes to hearing deficiency and deafness, I actually feel that I know a little bit about this. And you know, one of the most dangerous things in the world when you're confronted with a statement is to actually think you know something about it. You're about to be humbled. And the person said, now some of you are going to take issue with the fact that I'm labeling the deaf community an unreached people group, but let me help you, he said. And he put a phrase up on the screen. It wasn't this phrase. And then he said, what happens in your head when you read this? You hear it, don't you? I speed read, and one of the key lessons to speed reading that I was taught is when you want to read quickly, don't say it in your head. Do you know how hard it is not to say it when you read it? And then the presenter went on to say, do you know how many deaf languages there are in the world? And I thought, one, right? Over 400. Do you know how many of these languages have the Bible translation in their language? 20. So there are 70 million, he said, deaf people in the world. Only 2% of them know Jesus Christ. And the vast majority of them do not have access to the scriptures. Because Wycliffe Bible translators and other people, they translate in an audible way right in this way but to a deaf person that's what it's like and I say this knowing that Bob is over here and each and every week in the second service we have what I thought was a ministry and I came away recognizing this isn't a ministry this is a minister who is actually taking the good news of Jesus Christ and taking it to people who are so often excluded and have no access. What we need is not deaf ministries. What we need are deaf ministers, evangelists, I was told, who are willing to take the gospel to 70 million people who are cut off from the good news of Jesus and often cut off from the gospel itself. You see, I woke up. On Monday morning, seeing the world one way, and I left my office on Monday afternoon, seeing the world a completely different way. And you know what? It challenged me. Many of us don't like going to church to be challenged. We like going to church to be inspired, right? Because being challenged is uncomfortable, Being challenged to see the world the way that God sees it forces you, once you've seen it, to ask the question, okay, what do you want me to do, God? See, on Monday, I came face-to-face with the reality that I was an impoverished soul in one area of my life. Some of you may well take issue with the idea of me using that term impoverished when it comes to lacking in understanding in a certain area, but if that is you, then let me draw your attention to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 is a story that you're familiar with, even if the text kind of escapes you. Matthew 19 contains a story where Jesus is approached by a rich young ruler. This rich young ruler had so much money. He was rich. He was also a ruler. He was basically someone in authority. Everything seemed to be right in his life, and yet something was missing. So he talks to Jesus, and he goes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I really need to know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus reveals the great commandment to him love God, love your neighbor. And then in verse 20, the man says this all these I have kept. He was deluded. All these I have kept. Now look at the end. What do I still lack? That word lack is the Greek word hystero, which basically means I am lacking, I'm falling short, I am suffering need. It is used in Luke 15, 14 as a word that is translated impoverished. Jesus, I've done all of this, he says, and I'm still impoverished. You see, it is possible for a person to have so much materially and yet on the inside in one aspect of their life to be so impoverished that they're lacking God's wisdom and God's vision for the world. There are so many people in this world who are believers in Jesus Christ who are physically poor and yet they are spiritually rich. Far richer than we are. And yet in the Western world, we are materially rich. And yet in so many areas, when it comes to what God expects of his church, we are impoverished. We're not seeing the world in the way that God wants us to see it. Through this series, we want to challenge the way that you see the world. And there are going to be times when you're exposed to the world as it really is but it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be as uncomfortable for you at a couple of points through this series as it was for me on Monday afternoon. But we make no apology for that because this Lenten series, the Lenten season, is supposed to be about experiencing the suffering of Christ, recognizing and entering into that suffering and dealing with that in a way that God wants us to. On Monday afternoon, I heard about the ministry of Open Door and how the new technologies that are on display today are making it possible for the gospel to go forth in these language groups in an incredible way that is just transforming lives and transforming countries and is transforming continents. Technology does that. And so while I walked away from this, this luncheon challenged, I also walked away from this luncheon inspired because people have seen And because they've seen, they're changing the world that they see. Folks in this series, may that be true for us. May we, over the next five weeks, catch a glimpse of the world in the way that God sees it. And may we make the decision to accept God's vision for the world, as broken as it is accept God's solution to that brokenness, and recognize that we are a part of God's plan. Now, there are really two ways that we can view the world, and each of these ways are driven by the Scriptures. And so, what I want to do right now is I want to help us see the way that we can see the world. There's one of two ways we can do this. And to do that, I actually need a, a volunteer. Now, over here, you've seen, if you were looking this direction, I've got some strange paraphernalia over here. You want to come? I haven't asked yet. Go back. <laughs> Give me a second, okay? <laughs> this guy wants to be a volunteer already. <laughs> I'll grab you in a second, okay? But you, you can come. Anybody know what this is? HTC Vive. These are virtual reality headsets, okay? You know what this is? This is a mock-up of an augmented reality glass. There are a couple of ways of seeing the world. And these are two metaphors here, two ways that when we use the scriptures that we can see the world. My concern is we see the world more like this than we do like this. Now, virtual reality, for those of you who don't know, virtual reality is a computer-generated replication of an environment, real or imagined. It artificially creates sensory experiences, and virtual reality shuts out the real world. That's the point, okay? Virtual reality shuts out the real world. You put these things on, you put the sound on, and it's as if you're transported into a different world. You know it's not real, but boy, it feels real. The senses are stimulated in a way that this thing feels real. And I was going to say, hey, I need a volunteer, but I've got one. So you can come up here. Let's give him a round of applause. What's your name? Logan. 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 Okay, this is Logan. Have you done this before? No, but I've seen it. You've seen it, and you really want to do this thing, right? Uh, uh, I I can tell that you did. Now, the great thing is, in just a second, okay, we're actually going to see what he sees when he puts this on. So every time that Loden actually turns his head, we're gonna see it through the screen, okay? So, now, what's gonna happen here, Loden, is this thing, this is your hand, okay? The button's on there, you don't need to push this at all, okay, all you need to do is, you, need to, you don't need to pull the trigger, you don't need to do anything like that. In a moment, I'm gonna put you on a street, okay? And what I want you to do is to turn around, okay? And then you're going to see an elevator. I want you to walk into the elevator, okay? And then you're going to see some buttons there on the right-hand side. I want you to push the one where it says plank. Okay? okay you push the button. don't need to push anything, but you literally have to push it. And then what's going to happen is you're going to come to the top of, a, top of the building, and what do you think you're going to do? You're going to walk the plank, okay? okay? It's a very simple thing. So what I'm going to need you to do is to put the... Down your right hand first. Okay, again, you don't need to push any triggers at all. Okay, now I'm going to put this, I'm going to mess up your hair, but that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine this conversation tomorrow? Hey, guess what I did in church yesterday? <laughs> no, I'm going to. You getting a feel for this thing? Why? Stay there. Okay. No. Here we go. There's sounds in there. Can you? Okay, he's not going to hear me much, so, okay, what you got to do, Loden, is you got to turn around, just find the elevator, okay? Oh. Are you in the elevator? Now, he's hearing music and everything with this thing, okay? So he can just <laughs> jiggle around in here. Now, if you look through the doors there, Loden, you can see you're going up. You can just see the cracks in the doors there, right? Okay. There you go, you're good. Come on, boy, what's the matter? Just walk the plank, it's not real. Do you see this? You're okay, bud, come on, you're okay. (laughs) That's not me, that's not me. I'm gonna pull you off though. (laughs) Here he goes all the way down, look. Look, look. Can we give Loden a round of applause for me? Stay here with me just a sec. Loden, go grab that microphone there. Go grab that microphone. i want to ask you a couple of things here. Now, how did, how did that feel? You're going to need the microphone by your mouth. Crazy crazy. Now, mm. it, it wasn't real, right? No. But what did it feel like? felt real. It felt, it felt real. That step of walking on the plank, we tried this with a number of people through this week. They did exactly what you did. In fact, I didn't walk it. I didn't need to because I got people like you to do that, right? <laughs> um, but for everybody else who's never done it, that felt pretty real, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay, now you're going to ask your parents for one of these, right? Yeah, yeah I'm sure you are. There, there we go. Uh, there we go. Hey, let's thank Loden for me. Word of God speak. When the Word of God speaks, it is possible for us to enter into a virtual reality. What do I mean by that? When a person responds to the Word of the Gospel, and they commit their lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of them, and parts of their life come to life, parts of their being come to life that have never been alive alive before. It's as if our senses take on an extra dimension. And when we read the prophets being transported into the heavenly realms, some of us can sense it. When we read Revelation and it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, a number of people can just get so excited with that. They in not worship. They would just get so expressive because they can sense it. They're not in that world, literally, but virtually they are. And through the eyes of faith, they can see it. They sense it. And they think, you know what? I want to stay here. Just like the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, this is so awesome. These two guys, there with you. Can't we stay here? And Jesus' answer was to go down from the mountain and to lead them to a A man whose son was sick. One way of seeing the world as a Christian through the word of God is to recognize the reality of this life that we live and to want to stay here in a virtual reality existence. That's one way of seeing the world. God's world. The end of time. And the problem is, when you see the world that way, you don't see the world the way that God wants us to see it. That's virtual reality. But I believe that there's another metaphor for the way that we need to see the world and the way that we need to understand and apply the scriptures today that is kind of more like this. It is more like the virtual reality or the augmented reality glasses, as we would say. This is the technology right now, but believe me, in ten years, it will be totally different to this thing. And what happens in augmented reality is fundamentally different to virtual reality, you see? Because with augmented reality, what happens is the world stays. There's no computer-generated graphics, the world stays. But this world that you're looking at is now overlaid with essential data to help you interpret the world. So, augmented reality enhances the real world. It doesn't blot it out. It is a live, direct, or indirect view of a real-world environment whose elements are supplemented by computer-generated media. Some of you are thinking, Craig, what on earth are you talking about? And I could talk about mixed reality that's going to confuse you, okay? But do you all know this? Come on, how many of you have played Pokemon Go? Uh, This thing... It's crazy. What, it, what you've got here is kind of reality being supplemented by computer-generated media. And this thing, this thing was weird when it first came out. You see grown men running down the streets with their phones. <laughs> but it doesn't always look like this. You see, when you use your phone and you turn it landscape, you could get this. You're visiting a big city, you don't know what to do, you don't know which direction to go, you just hold up your phone and it'll just overlay the essential data that you need to interpret where you are and where you need to go. Within the next decade, there will be things like this, the lenses will be shorter and it will actually be able to know what to do on the basis of your eye movements. There is a company called Eye Fluence, EYE Fluence, which actually looks at your eye movements in order to tell you which data to supply you with the data that you need. This is augmented reality. In cars, we see this. We may have a number of you here from Gentex. I've spoken to a number of you. A company that is big in augmented reality data, the idea of the the visual graphics that you need to direct you somewhere, not being on a little display in the middle of your car, but actually being heads-up display, as they would call it, on your windscreen as you drive. Do you see the fundamental difference between virtual reality and augmented reality? Virtual reality takes you and leaves you in a world that isn't real. It's computer generated, but it feels so real. And then you've got augmented reality, which allows you to interpret the scene right in front of you by supplying data over the top of what you're seeing. I want to suggest to you that in this day and age, If we're really serious about the kingdom of God breaking in, the rule and reign of God breaking in in new ways, we have to use augmented reality perception for the way that we view the scriptures. We have to recognize that the Bible is the function in our lives as a layer, a supplemental but essential layer to help us see the world the way that God sees it. Because the problem is, if we don't augment our reality, that means to enhance, if we don't enhance our reality, the lives that we live with the truth of God's word, what we're essentially saying is, this is enough. And it isn't enough. And I want to suggest to you that if we truly understood the gospel of Jesus Christ and we don't augment our everyday life with the reality of scripture, then maybe we've never understood the cross at all. Now, some of you are thinking, Craig, you seem to be saying here that the Bible needs to be understood as this augmenting reality layer over the top of our lives, that we're encouraged to supplement our view of the world with the Word of God. But doesn't doesn't that demean it? Doesn't that demean what God's Word is? I want to suggest to you, no, it doesn't. And I could point to so many scriptures here, but I want to point to three. Psalm 119, if I were to read it all, we would be here until tomorrow evening. Longest passage in Scripture. Begins with talking about the importance of a person internalizing the Word of God. Reading it, soaking it in. And then in verse 105, we read this. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. It's as if when we internalize God's word, it stimulates the optic nerve. That's just going on here. It's like when we put God's word in, God's vision comes out. And whether we walk through the darkest of nights or the brightest of days, there will always be God's vision and God's light directing our way. Is that not augmented reality? Isn't that a metaphor? Again, this is supposed to be metaphorical. It wasn't, it's not as if you start to read God's Word and all of a sudden there will be this divine light illuminating the path literally. It's that when, when you accept the Son of God, the Spirit of God comes into your life and just illuminates what you're going through. So even when you should have every reason to be distraught, You're empowered because God is showing you the way. What about this one? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. A fundamental text for us understanding the significance of the word of God. This is what Paul said to his protege, Timothy. All scriptures God breathed. It's inspired. It's useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's not just that when we internalize the word of God, it lights our path. When we internalize the word of God, it actually prepares our responses. Something happens when the word of God comes in. And when the word of God comes in, something else must come out. You see, I really believe that for our younger generation, the world we live today, augmented reality offers us a new metaphor, a new way of thinking okay, about the role of the Bible in our everyday life. To think of the Bible that's, that augments, that enhances, okay, reality, the world in which you live, what you see as you live and you breathe, isn't, isn't to demean it, isn't to put it down. It is to recognize that the Word of God is something that exists outside of reality. What do I mean by that? It exists outside of your reality as well as within it. The Word of God is what we would call a supercultural truth. It is true for every culture. And whether you are a poor person in Africa or in Asia, or whether you are a wealthy person in America, the Word of God still can illuminate your way because it is true in every culture and it stands above every culture. But what does the message of the Gospel tell us? The message of the Gospel tells us it has to be incarnated, come into every culture. God didn't show us His love for us by staying outside Above, no, he showed his love by coming inside and living out. This isn't to demean scripture, it is actually to make it more real and more powerful. And I think that's the beauty of this verse Deuteronomy 6 8. Put them, the law of God, the word of God, wrap them around your wrists. And on your forehead. Do you see the similarity here? Do you see this? Why on earth would God want his people to do this? Now, there is debate today about whether this is literal, to be done literally or figuratively. But Orthodox Jews over bar mitzvah age, over the age of 13, will take this and they will in morning prayers, six days a week, not on the Sabbath because the Sabbath is holy enough in itself, they will actually take this leather strap together with the scriptures around in a box and they will put this on their forehead because they recognize that the Word of God that lives in them has to be the Word of God that flows out of them. It has to change the way they live their life. It has to change what they pray for, what they live for. And see, what all of this tells us is simply this. Unprecedented access to the Word of God in the Western church has not resulted in an unprecedented obedience to the Word of God. It tells us that just internalizing the Word of God isn't enough. The adversary knows God's Word, even quoted it to Jesus. Internalizing God's Word isn't enough. And God realizes something else is needed if we are to see the world in the way that God does. In Deuteronomy 6, 8, God is essentially saying that we need visible reminders of what God wants The world, you see, has a problem. God has a plan. And to see that plan, the Bible doesn't just need to be internalized, the Bible needs to be overlaid onto the scenes of life that we find ourselves walking through. But the real question is, how does that happen? Behind technology, artificial intelligence, uh, augmented reality is something called artificial intelligence. Have you all heard of AI? That's not artificial insemination, ladies, that's artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is basically something that allows hardware and software platforms, okay, to perform tasks as if they were human. When a digital device is able to predict what you want next, AI makes it happen, artificial intelligence. Now, there's something freaky about this, right? How many of you have ever gone online, searched for brown shoes, okay, and you think, yeah, okay, the next time you open your favorite news, you know, news site, what happens? There are brown shoes all over everything, right? It's like, how do they, how do they know that? Artificial intelligence. Now, artificial intelligence is getting so, uh, so incredible that a guy by the name of Robert Scoble has actually said that what in essence is being developed right now is what he calls a new God. That's literally what he calls it, a new God. He said this artificial intelligence is so intelligent, it is so smart, it is so adept that sense, at sensing what you want, that it's as if this is an intelligent being doing this. I met with one pastor recently who said, I'm sick and tired of Google knowing more about my congregation than I do. Artificial intelligence. There's something freaky about this. It's freaky, isn't it? When you go online and Facebook reminds you that it's your now deceased grandmother's birthday. It's not all the kinks worked out. God doesn't make those kind of mistakes. But it's got a freaky factor to it. What I want to suggest to you is that There's a a freaky factor that's needed for our worlds to be augmented by the reality of God's vision. There's a freaky factor involved in this. Because what is needed for God's vision and God's will to be overlaid into the scene of our life as we walk through it, is the Spirit of God taking the will of God in the Word of God and unveiling it to us. And folks, that can be freaky. One of the first times I ever experienced something like that was at a conference I was speaking at. And there was a guy there, I eventually came to know him by the name of JJ. And JJ was a troubled boy. Many pastors had prayed for him. Nothing seemed to be doing anything. And one time as we were praying, I just heard God speak as if it was almost audible. Craig, two words God gave me, Craig, drugs, and his dad. It was startling. It's freaky. And I looked around and I said, who's with this boy? Where's his parents? There were no parents with him. And I said, okay, who brought him? And a lady came up, and she said, well, I'm really good friends with the mother, um, so I, I pretty much know what's going on. And I said, could I have a conversation with you? Took her over to one side, and I said, look, as we were praying here, God gave me two words. The first one was drugs. Does this, does this boy have a drug issue? So they said, yes. I said, get him, to the, get him to the hospital, the doctor, and get his chemical balances checked. I said, secondly, though, tell me about his dad. And, And this woman looked at me and she said, how do you know about his dad? I said, I don't know about his dad. Just tell me about his dad. It turned out that JJ's dad was a Malaysian man who had been involved in a Malaysian cult with a so-called Messiah and had taken JJ as an infant down to the front to be blessed and set apart by this false Messiah. Right there and then, we prayed with JJ. I saw JJ and his father, who then had come to Christ about two years later. JJ was enrolled in seminary and is now serving Christ. He was totally transformed. He was totally set free. But the point is this. That's freaky, isn't it? How many of you are freaking out? But you see, what happened in a moment like that, and I can tell you many other stories, is the Spirit of God took the will of God in the Word of God and revealed it to me to make sense of a situation that only God could deal with. That's the freaky factor, folks. But listen, unless we recognize that without the, what I would call the spirit dimension, we will never, ever be able to see God's will for the world because the church of Jesus Christ is not a word-alone people. That's called bibliolatry. If we read the word of God as if it is God himself, that's idolatry. It's called bibliolatry. We're not a word-alone people. It is possible, God says, Deuteronomy 6:8, for us to internalize the word of God and yet to live in a virtual reality world that never sees the world but senses God's goodness. That is possible. How many of us know the word, but just don't get the world? We're not a word alone people. We're a Christ alone people. And a Christ alone people recognized that when Jesus Christ walked this earth, he had two resources. He had the word of God, in which there was the will of God for him. And he had the spirit of God, whose presence he practiced through prayer. We're a Christ alone people. And the very resources that were available to the Christ in his life as a man are available to the people of God in our lives as the men and women of God. We're not word alone. We are Christ alone. That's why essential we talk about encouraging and challenging people to three pursuits. Pursue life with God. And with that we say we want to cultivate habits of word and prayer. Because when we practice the presence of God in prayer, we put ourselves in a position to hear God speak. The Spirit of God reveals the will of God in the Word of God. And this revelation unlocks essential information that we need to be a solution to the brokenness that we experience. And folks, when we get to that point, we truly get to the point of recognizing that the power of God is in the pew, not on the pulpit. If we were all committed to be a Christ alone people, internalizing God's word and giving the spirit of God permission to externalize his word before our very eyes, we would recognize where the power is. And it's not in one man on a stage. It's in thousands of people in the field of life. That's the way the world has changed. Now, this encouragement this challenge that i'm giving us to be a Christ-alone people because that's what's necessary to change the world we see really requires two things firstly it requires that each and every one of us familiarize ourselves with the bible because that's where god's will is let me ask you how familiar are you with the bible how familiar are you with the bible Over these next five weeks, we're going to take you to the parts of the Bible that many of you may never have been to. We're going to start to show you things that you may never have seen that's in God's Word. And we do that because we want to help you see the world the way that God sees it. Because when we see it that way, we can actually commit to change. But how familiar are you? Secondly, it has to result in a commitment to allow the Spirit of God to apply that biblical layer onto our view of life. without that second statement what we have here is dead religion that doesn't change anyone good deeds don't make lasting change in the way that god deeds do unless we're wanting to realize that this christian faith of ours is a relationship with a living god Who wants to speak to us as we speak to him, then we'll never be able to see the world in which, uh, the way in which God sees it. Now, there are two possible responses to this. The first response is some of you can be here and you can say, Craig, you're freaking me out right now. I ain't gonna go there. This idea of a freaky faith, freaky factor, that's freaked me. But, folks, If that's where you are, then just recognize the true Christian faith does not allow for there to be such a thing as a private faith in the resurrected Jesus. There's no such thing as a private faith in the resurrected Jesus. But some of you may well say, Craig, my faith is personal. It's personal to me. It's personal to my family, and that's enough for me. I want to say you may well know Jesus, but you don't understand the word of God that talks about Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in the world. But over these next five weeks, we could freak you out to such a degree by showing you the world as God sees it, how broken and messed up it is. We can show you God's plan, encourage you to be a part of the solution. And some of you may well say, Craig, I don't want to be a part of that solution. But others of you here can say, you know what, Craig? Honestly, my faith isn't as living as it should be. In fact, it's pretty boring and it's pretty dead. And Craig, you know what, I I recognize that I, I need the word of God overlaid on the scenes of my life because I need direction. And if that's where you're at, then over the next five weeks, we're gonna guide you through some experiences and some activities that we're gonna do into giving you an opportunity to change the way you see the world for a very simple reason, for you to change the world that you see. To do that, we're gonna do a number of things. Starting from a week on Monday, not, to, uh, not tomorrow, but a week on Monday, we're gonna encourage us all to fast by means of participation in a seven-day subsistence diet. Rice and beans. We're gonna give you a starter pack like this, enough for one one day of a family of four, and we're gonna encourage you for a seven-day period, and there's a reason for the seven days, for a seven-day period to basically live off rice and beans. Right? Why would you do that? Because hundreds of millions of people in the world, that's all they do. And let me tell you what will happen, parents. What will happen is essentially after day two or at the end of day two, your kids will come to you and they will say, dad, mom, I hate this. Can we change this? And in that moment, we will have provided you with a seven-day devotional to go through every day that will enable those children to deal with the impoverishment in their own soul too. Sometimes something needs to happen to wake us up to realize why God has blessed us so much. And God has blessed us so much because to whom much has been given, much is required. There's going to be an experience, a journey that we want our families to go through. Vipka and I have done this before. That's why at the end of day two, it was an awesome highlight of our family when they were basically saying, can we change this? So we're going to do that. This is a fast, essentially. And next week, we're going to turn to Isaiah 58, and we're going to look at what true fasting and true prayer is. And we're going to unpack that text and we're going to help you see the world and the needs in this world in a very real way. Every week that you will come in from next week, there will be cards like this in the program. So if you don't normally get a program, folks, make sure you get one between each family over the next couple of weeks. And this will guide you with some thoughts and remind you of what it is we're trying to do. From next week, the devotional, it's not gonna be long. We can be really wordy in our devotionals, but these aren't long, these are very short, and they'll guide you through that experience. Now, we're not gonna mandate that you do seven full days. We're not dictators here, right? But we're gonna encourage you to do seven days over a period of multiple weeks if you need to. But just embrace this, embrace the experience and the challenge, rather, to experience how other people live and how their world looks like. And when you get to the point of feeling so, what, annoyed with it, in that moment say, Jesus, I have so much, but what do I lack? And watch God speak. Thirdly, what we're going to encourage everybody to do is to work out how much money they save through living on rice and beans. And what we want to do is we're going to challenge you. I think it's March 26th. I think that's the weekend we're doing this. On March 26th, we're going to challenge people just to bring in an offering that we can give to a support those ministries and the work that we do through so many ministries. As you go through the devotional, you'll see how the, broke, uh, how the world is messed up, what God says, and we're actually gonna give you examples of ministries we support, and they're actively involved in making a difference in the world. It's gonna be challenging, but it's gonna be inspiring at the same time. And why are we doing all this? We're doing all of this because we believe that yes, the world is messed up. Yes, God has a plan, but guess what? With a solution. We're a part of the solution. We carry the hope and life, the good news for this world. And God wants us and needs us to see the world in the way that He does. So, folks, that's what we're gonna go over the next five weeks. It's a challenge to experience the world in a fresh way. And as you do that, I truly believe that God will illuminate your path, and as a church, we will be one step closer to understanding, not just in our head, but in our heart, that the power of Christ is in the pews, not in the pulpit. You carry the hope and life of Jesus into every scene that you go. Let's go to God in prayer and pray that through this week, God would augment and enhance the reality of every scene that you walk through. And may the word of God speak. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Father, we do acknowledge how blessed we are. You have given us so much And like the rich young ruler, it's all too often to go through life appreciating what we have and missing what we lack. And in the Western church, Father, we have been blessed with an unprecedented access to the Word of God that hasn't resulted in an unprecedented obedience to it. So God, we pray through this series, you would open our eyes, that you would help us see the world the way that you see it. And through that, you would help us change the world that we see. Father, we love you, and we thank you, and we give you this journey in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll obviously receive more information through social media and everything else. We'll we'll continue the series next week with Isaiah 58. Uh, Just before we go, one announcement for you that we are now in that process as we come to the end of a financial year. Our financial year runs June 1 through the end of May where we're setting up the budgets for next year. But as a part of that too, there is this reminder that goes out to the congregation here that uh, this is the time of year where each of you start to pray and ask God whether he is calling you to serve as an elder in our church every year we have a cycle where some elders will stay on some will cycle off and so we just put this out there at this point in time watch the program for more information on this but just start to pray God do you want me to step up and serve maybe you're sitting here and you can already think that hey no I'm God's not asking me to serve but I know someone who'd be really good for this talk to them pray about this together And over the coming weeks, our elders will communicate with you about what that process is, okay? So just be aware of that. Okay, won't you stand with me? Let's just uh, pray a prayer of blessing as we just leave here for our week. Family and friends of Central, this world is broken. God has a plan, and you're a part of the solution. So go from this place asking God, to enhance the way you see the world and when you catch a glimpse of God's vision may he give you the right steps to be the change you desire go in grace, go in peace and may God go with you thanks for being here folks, have a great week see you all next week